let's, let's go to church first. And so I'm so glad you're here. I'm so thankful that you're here. And I want to tell you something. I believe that God honors attendance in church, okay? I believe that God, listen, you want to be a favor seeker, okay? Let me, just, let me just speak that to you. You want to seek the favor of God because, you know what, you could seek a, a person's favor, Come on, you could try to make someone happy with you, and that might get you a benefit here or there. But when you have God's favor over your life and you have his hand of blessing on your life, you will know it, and it will change your life for the better. When you have the favor of God over your life, over your work, over your marriage, over all these, all these different aspects of your life, there are eternal implications. Let me just give that to you this morning. So anyway, so I believe that God honors church attendance. And so I'm so glad you're here. And, uh, but you say, okay, what's with, the, what's with the shirts? Well, you know, we, we just want to do something fun. But I want to talk about being on a team, okay? Let me give you a little story. So there was a gentleman... And his name was Scott Skiles, and he was an NBA player. And um, he got into an altercation with one of his fellow uh, teammates. And that's always, hey, it's one thing when teams go to fighting each other. Come on. I always wonder if you ever watch NFL and they go to punching guys with helmets on. I'm like, dude, that's... Why are you punching a guy with a helmet? But whatever. But <laughs> it's, it's one thing when teams fight against other teams. It's like, okay, come on, guys. Let's, 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 let's be sportsmen here. But it's another thing when teammates fight each other. And so this guy, so Scott goes in, and he's having a, 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 a big problem with another guy on his team, with a fellow teammate. And so he's, they're, they're both running their mouth, they're jawing. Come on, you got to remember these guys are both, they're jacked. They are athletes at the very top of their game. They are among the best on the planet at what they do. They are wealthy. And you kind of get this attitude like nobody's going to talk to me. And so they go to jawing, they go to talking. Well, then the argument, the team scuffle uh, moves from talking to physicality. And so this gentleman, he was not a small man. He was, he was about six feet tall, okay? And so he's, a, he, you know, he's not a tiny little guy. Well, he picks one person on the team to get in a fight with and to get physical. And that person's name is Shaquille O'Neal. So just to put this in perspective, this gentleman, although he is six foot tall, Shaq was a foot taller than him. And I'm not coming in here to be an MMA coach. I just want to be a pastor. But if you do get in a fight, try not to pick somebody that's a foot taller and 100 pounds heavier than you, okay? Especially if the guy's name is Shaq. Don't do that, okay? And so what does this guy do? He goes to get Shaq in a headlock, and he manages to do it. Well, what happens? Shaq just stands up. Well, now you can't let go because you're going to break your leg on the fall. And so Shaq just moves the guy, and the guy's little legs are just flopping around. It looks like WWE, and it's an NBA game. It's just a horrible, embarrassing, all the coaches are mad, and everyone just, ah, it's, and people get fined tens of thousands. Of, it's a big mess. 
it's always so nasty when teams fight each other. And let me tell you something, church family. We have a lot of team scuffles in the church. Uh-oh. We have a lot of team scuffles. People, folks get mad. They get passionate about things. And we just, we will go quick. Why is that? Have you ever noticed that it's almost like the people you love the most, you are the quickest to be mean to? Isn't that weird? Husbands and wives will say the nastiest things to each other just like that. People will say, how many, let me just say this. I'm going to get real personal with you. How many, how many times have you ever gone up to somebody and just said, you're getting on my nerves. You're getting on my last nerve. You've never said that to somebody. You've never said that, but how many times have you said it to your kids? How many times have you said that to these little ones that you, that God has tasked you with raising? You're getting on my last nerve. Listen, listen. Let me, let me retreat just a little bit because I don't want to get fired. Um, I understand, and I have probably said the same thing to my kid, but why is that, that we, we do that so quickly with the people we love the most? We're so nasty to. Is it because we know, well, they have to forgive me. They have to let me back in. Do they? Do they? I knew a guy that was as mean as he could be, and this is a family member I had, and I love him. I still love him, but he was mean and mean and mean and mean, and every time the family would let him come back, he would be mean, and eventually the family all prayed, and God allowed us to release this person. You don't need to attempt to wear your welcome out because what will happen, Christian, is when you're mean enough to another Christian, their father will remove you. Let me, let me preach a little hard this morning because some, hopefully none of you in here need to hear that. I think you're all very nice people. But you need to make sure. So we get to fighting. Let me read from James. So James 4 says this. It says, what? James asked the question, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And we'll skip over to verse 7. And it says, um, I'm sorry, verse 11. And it says, don't speak evil. Hear this. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. So listen, let me, let me stop for just a second here. James is not talking to people out in the world. James is talking to church people. Can you, somebody say church people. Yeah. James is not talking to people out in the unsaved wild world. James is talking to Community Church North Webster. James is talking to First Baptist. James is talking to whatever church, wherever, whenever. 
That's who he's talking to. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Hear this. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Whoa. Whoa. Shouldn't that be on the membership? Jason, let's put that on the membership application. (laughs) No, we're not going to do that, but we might. Um, Church family. Church family. We got to stop with this. Now, do I think anybody here has a problem with this? I don't think so. I hope not. I hope not. But I want to prepare you to know what to do when you do have an opportunity to speak ill of of your brother or sister in Jesus. I want to, because there is going to come a time, there is going to come a point where you disagree. You might disagree with, with something I do. You know, you could disagree with something our pastoral team does. You could disagree with something, you know, maybe something went wrong this way or that way. Listen, I don't think that God asks us ever to be perfect little people because that wouldn't be very authentic. But what God does want us to do is to always rely on him in every situation. See, having the word in your heart is so critical and so important because out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks, okay? And so when we have the word of God in our heart, when we've been praying, when we've been studying, when we've been soaking up the, the, the scripture and soaking up what good, listen, I think you should listen to preaching. I, and Don't just listen to me, man. Come on, get on Spotify, get on YouTube and, and, and listen to these spirit-filled pastors that are saying good things. There's a lot of great stuff out there. Now, there's some weird stuff out there too, okay? So stay away from that. But get in some good stuff and stay in there. Check your influences, um, check your influences. Check how much uh, you're allowing in because part of what you allow in is going to come out. I noticed this. I, so I, I had this band that I, I listened to a lot, and, and you know me. I like, I like all kinds of music. I'll go from bluegrass to brutal heavy metal in the same Spotify playlist. And, but I had this one band, and uh, I'm not going to mention it because somebody will be like, mm-hmm. But, but I was listening to this band a lot when I was a teenager, and I, I kind of thought, I, you know, I love nostalgia. We all love, we all love nostalgia, right? And so I thought, yeah, I'm going to listen to that band. And I was into it, man. I was jamming out. And I was at the gym, and I was jamming out. And I noticed, uh-oh, I noticed that I was beginning to be short with my wife, short with my kids, and that I was having a little bit of a temper problem. And I was like, whoa, Lord, what's, what am I doing? And God revealed to me, like, hey, you have really been soaking up this angry, disrespectful stuff, and you're letting it come out. And so I had to I had to check myself on that. Listen, you should do that every day. Always be checking yourself. Always listen to what God is saying. So we get into these religious quarrels. We get into these messy arguments. You know what Pastor Daphne says? She says, don't argue. Don't jump in. She says, you know what happens when you 
when you wrestle a pig, when you mud wrestle a pig. She says, you both get muddy and the pig likes it. So don't engage. You know what Proverbs says? Proverbs says, where there is no wood, the fire goeth out. And so what should we do, church family? You know, maybe somebody's disrespecting you. And, you know, we live in a society that talks all about respect, all about respect, all about respect. And, but yet is so disrespectful. You, but you need to, parents, hear me on this. You need to be paying attention to what your kids are watching, what your kids are listening to, because all the, these little shows and these little things, they teach such horrible disrespect. And that's not what, we don't want that. We want to be respectful. We want to be nice. We want to be, we don't want to be rude. That's, that's nasty. We don't want to be like that. So pay attention to what you can, pay attention to these influences. Um, anyway, so we want to have, we want to have that respect. And we want to be, we want to be these, these people that represent Jesus well. And so uh, Jesus talked about church arguments, church fights. And this is what he said. He went and talked to some people that were religious. They have this religious argument. They want to call him out because Jesus was healing on the Sabbath. And they want to nitpick and do all these silly little things. And Jesus said this. He said, you are a brood of vipers. And he called them sons of the devil. We don't want that mess. We don't want these silly religious arguments. It's crazy to me, how church families can argue and split and break apart over silly things while people are dying and going to hell out in the streets. We will come in this house and argue over a sticker we put on the wall of the world. You know, it's an Assembly of God church. You've got to have a world map somewhere. And uh, we'll argue about silly things. By the way, nobody argued about the sticker. Everybody was cool with it, I think. But we'll argue about silly things. Well, Pastor, I don't really, you know, we painted the walls. Uh, you know, and, and again, nobody's argued about that kind of thing in this church. This church has been blessed with unity, and I'm so thankful for that. But people get to arguing about silly things and get to fighting about doctrine and, and all this stuff. And, and, and I'm just sitting here thinking, guys, people are dying without Jesus because we're over here fighting each other. What do you think the devil wants more than anything? Number one, he wants to destroy what God wants to, what God wants to honor. Satan wants to destroy you. But if Satan can get us fighting amongst ourselves... If Satan can get Christians fighting each other and judging and gossiping each, uh, about each other, then he can win. I want to just warn you, if you gossip in this house, I will call you out. I will. Not because I'm mad at you, not because whatever, but because God's put me in place here. And I would expect you to call each other out. Gossip has no place in this house, and it will not be tolerated Gossip is one of the most dangerous things you can do as a Christian. As someone that follows Jesus, gossip is one of the most dangerous, nasty things you can do because you're breaking someone's character in little bitty pieces and you're pulling those things away. And here's what you're doing. When you gossip, you're going to keep throwing. You're going to keep throwing. And eventually, some of that stuff's going to stick. Some of the names, some of the things, well, you know, 
I heard this. Well, some of the things that you heard and you repeated, some of those things are going to stick to that person, and they will allow the lie that you told to become part of their identity. And then you have had a hand in someone falling away, in someone accepting an identity that is not given to them by Christ. It's partially your fault because you didn't know when to shut your mouth. Y'all got real quiet. (laughs) We don't want to be doing that. We want to make sure that no unwholesome talk comes out of our mouths. Come on, church family. We're called to lift each other up. So I want to give you three things real quick. We're a team. We're on the same team. And so what I want you to do, if, if there's a, a, a quarrel amongst Christians, back up. Back up and say, whoa, hey, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. We have the same goals. We have the same leader. And our leader is Jesus. Come on, we talked about this a few weeks ago. If you have a problem with a brother or sister in Christ, the first thing you should do is not raise your hand to throw it, but to back up, to retreat onto the truth, the firm foundation that is Jesus. Retreat to that and then let everything else settle, okay? We always should retreat to Christ, to Jesus. So, so I, I want to give you three things real quick. So we want to be a strong team, Amen. We want to be strong, together, unified. Jesus talked about being in one accord. So, this is, so we're Pentecostal. We're charismatic. We love, you know, we raise our hands. We, we have gifts of the Spirit exhibited in this house. But have you ever noticed um, Sundays where there are messages and interpretations? That's kind of the big one, okay? Yeah, we, we pray in the Spirit. We prophesy. We do. But kind of one of the big ones is tongues and interpretation because someone will give a message in tongues. The music will go down. Come on. Come on, Pentecostals. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The music goes down, and then there's an interpretation, and then we just, you know, we, we kind of focus on that for a minute, and that's great. That's beautiful. That's a God thing. Do you know when that happens? It's when we come in here in one accord. It's when we come in here in unison. When the church is unified, no demon can break in. No demon can walk, can just waltz in. But when there are broken places, when there are weak parts, when maybe somebody is angry and they're frustrated, maybe they're disappointed, maybe their feelings got hurt, but instead of taking that to Jesus, instead of saying, hey, God, I offended someone, I lost my temper, I cussed somebody out, now I want to repent. Instead of doing that and letting God repair and God restore, we hold all that stuff in and we think, well, I'll just deal with it myself. Yeah, you're going to deal with it yourself and make a bigger mess. You're going to make a bigger mess, okay? Uh, So we don't want to do that. In everything you do, you should always, I hate this, people, people freak out about the word retreat, but yeah, as a Christian, you need to retreat to the truth that is Jesus because if you jump in and try to do it yourself, you're only going to make a bigger mess, You're only going to make it worse on everybody. So always retreat to the truth that is Jesus, okay? He's our source. Don't try to do it yourself, all right? And so, look, so we want to to be a strong, unified team. As as, as the church uh, 
moves forward throughout history, the places where the church have been, has been unified are the places where there's been spiritual awakening, where there's been revival, where there's been movements, where, where you know, the powers of darkness had to retreat and get out of places. Um, and so we want to be unified. So how are we unified? How, what, what, are, what, are, what do strong teams look like? So let me give you three things real quick. Number one, strong teams have clear goals. So we were at the football game Friday night, and uh, I was sitting with Pastor Jason, and there was someone, I'm not going to say any names, but someone kept asking a lot of questions. And I like the questions, and I think it's fun. And I was like, yeah, they got to make a home run. If they make a home run, if he's safe, and it was just being silly. But you want to have a clear goal. If somebody was going to get out there and play football, and they went running the entire wrong direction, a lot of people get really upset. Let's say somebody took a snap, a running back, got real confused, and ran the whole wrong way. People would freak out. you got to have a clear goal. If you don't have clear goals, then you're just going to walk in confusion. Okay? Listen, Proverbs says, or uh, I don't want to misquote, but the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, there's no vision. So you've got to have vision and you've got to have goal. So let me read this. 2 Corinthians 5 says, So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Everything we do, everything we say, every step that we take, we want to please God. We want to please him. Remember, I was talking about favor earlier. We want to please the Lord. And if you can think about that, hey, you know, think about maybe at the end of the day, you just kind of think, what I did, you know, this day that I just had, that I pleased God. And you reflect on that. You could make some adjustments. You know, people get so weird in, you know, let's say traffic or that kind of thing, and they get ugly with each other. That doesn't please God. Maybe things you said behind somebody's back, that doesn't please God. And here's the thing, guys. It doesn't matter. Integrity matters. It doesn't matter if you said something. Maybe you're sitting in your car. And you're like, oh, I can't stand that guy. And you just have a big freak out. And you just say a bunch of cuss words. And you're only by yourself. There's nobody in the car but just you. And your little, you know, uh, air freshener is sitting here going, whoa. You know, you're just freaking out all by yourself. Just you and the McDonald's napkins in your uh, glove box. And, but God knows. And everything we do should be done to please him, whether it's in public or private. Everything you do should be done to please God. So as a team, our goal is to please God in the way that we deal with each other, the way that we uh, go through life. You know, that's kind of a churchy thing to say, but do life together. We should do to please God everything. The second thing, strong teams have great communication. So uh, I know that a lot of wives in here would say that their husbands communicate very well. Yes. It is accepted. No, uh, we want to have great communication. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Mm, I love this. So this is the uh, New Living Translation, but it says abusive language. And I just like the way he put that. Because, y'all, sometimes we say some things that are just so 
unfair to people. They're so abusive to people. And y'all, parents, just hear me on this. Sometimes we say things to our kids that aren't really fair. We expect a five-year-old to snap out of, you know, maybe they're watching something and we just expect them to snap out, stop doing what they're doing, get up, do exactly as I commanded right then, right now, now, now. And that's not fair to a five-year-old's brain, okay? And so, so, so Ephesians says this, stop saying those things. Stop saying foul, nasty things because here's what happens. We allow that in and, and maybe you just told one nasty joke. And uh, now you told one, and so maybe I can do it again. Maybe I can do it again. Maybe, and so you train yourself to begin speaking in this way that doesn't honor God, okay? So we want to speak. We want to build up in everything we do. Build up and not tear down. Think about that. And what you say about people, whether you're in person or in private, am I building this person up or am I tearing this down? Listen, can I just give you something? Um, criticism, when it is not handled correctly, does not mirror Calvary. Because this is what Jesus did. He didn't look at us and say, whoa, you are so messed up, I cannot fix you. You're a loser, you're done, you fail. No, he looked at all those things and said, redemption's for you. And so we want to be careful the way we speak to people and about, especially about people, because most people are too chicken to say something really disrespectful to somebody in their face. And so they just gossip about them behind their back, which is sketchy. The, the third thing a strong leaders, uh, strong teams have is strong leadership. Hebrews 6 says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. So we have a strong leader. You can tell if you're, if you're a sports fan, if you watch any kind of organized sports, football, baseball, any of it, if the coach is failing, the team is not far behind. You can tell real quick, okay? You can tell really fast if the coach is having a bad day or a bad season because the team is doing weird stuff and then LSU loses to Troy, Okay? Some of y'all got that. I'm still salty. Okay. Uh, you can tell that the coach, the leadership is failing. Can I just tell you this? When we follow God, our leader never fails because God does not do that. And we follow the leadership of God when we follow the commands. And we talked about this a lot in Sunday school this morning, but when we do more than love God, you can love God. You, listen, you can love something and it not change your life. Come on, you can love something and it not change your life. You know, I love to go to the beach, but it didn't change my life. I just got sunburned, okay? But when you make something the Lord of your life, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, then your life 
changes. And so there has to be this leadership, okay? And so, or this lordship. And so as a team, as a unified body of believers in this big family, as long as we honor the leader, as long as we honor the Lord who sits at the head of the table, then we are unified and we're strong. But when we start to honor ourselves, when we start to honor our opinion over what God's word says, then we have a lot of problems. That's how you end up with, you know, people ask, how come we have so many denominations? How, how come we have so many different belief systems? Because people begin to honor their own opinion over what God's word says. And then you get into some weird stuff. So honor him. We don't blindly follow what God says because we don't have to. We don't just say, God doesn't just say, hey, boom, do this thing. And we go, okay. We don't have to do that because we trust and we know his character. And we know this, that God never leads us astray, that he never causes us to, to go off into something that we, that's going to hurt us or ruin us or cause us to sin. So let me challenge you this morning as I close. Make God the Lord of your life, not just someone you love. I don't want you to just say, oh, yeah, man, I love Jesus. I want you to make Jesus the Lord of your life because that's when life change happens. So let me recap real quick. We want to be a strong, unified team, a church, a family, striving for the same goal. And strong teams have three things. Number one is clear goals. And our goal is to please the Lord. Our goal is to please God. God, am I, am, am I acting in a way that reflects your character, that pleases you? The second thing is we have great communication. So this goes in a, a few different ways as a church family. Number one is our communication isn't foul. Our communication lifts up instead of tears down. But also, we need to have great communication talking to our Father, communicating, listening. Communication is a two-way street, church family. We got to listen to what God says. And the third is strong leadership. Listen, I don't want to sit here and call God the coach. That, we're not going to do that this morning. But God doesn't make the wrong call. He doesn't make the wrong play call. God knows what is best for us. And he knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He holds all those things in his hands. And when we, when we understand that and we make him the Lord of our life and we put our full trust in him, then our lives change. You can tell when someone's holding off, they're holding out just maybe a tiny little bit of trust and they've still got something that they're doing, something that they're saying, they're doing, you know, they're still stuck and they haven't fully gone into faith. They're holding out one little, there's just one little piece of trust I haven't given you, Jesus. So we make God the Lord of our life, give him our full trust, place our full faith in him and then watch what he can do. Watch where he can bring you. I love that song, Meet Us Here Again. You know what, God? Take me as I am, and you make me into what you want. You make me into what you know would be best. That's what we've got to be like, guys. Let him be our leader. Let him be the Lord of our life. Amen? Hey, thank you for being here this morning. I believe that God's going to honor your attendance. I believe that God is going to honor you spending time with the family worshiping. I encourage you to hang out, have lunch, fellowship. But I want to do something before we do that. I want to pray together because I do think that there are maybe a couple of us here this morning, we struggled with 
lordship, that, that L word, allowing God to be the Lord of our life, not just a name that we love to say, not just someone that we pray to on Sunday mornings, but the Lord of our life, turning everything over to him. And so if you would stand with me, I just want to pray for that real quick. I want to encourage you that when you make, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, there is no failure in that. There is no loss in that. You may have days where you struggle. You may have days where you are frustrated. You'll still get sick. You know, you're still going to have to live your life. But what happens is all of a sudden you can step back and have a perspective that's different. You know, God, I see hope in all these things. I see hope in people that are broken. God, I pray this morning that if there is anyone here that God has run, that has fled your voice, God, that you would call right now at this very moment, that you would begin to call them. God, speak to their heart. Let them know that you love them your arms are open wide, that they are welcome, that there is no sin that is too great for you to forgive, that there is no failure that is so deep that you can't rescue us. God, we love you. And not only do we love you, Jesus, but we step back and yield. over our lives. God, I pray that you unify the church. Not just community church, God, but every church in the Northwestern area, in Louisiana, in the United States, and all over the world, God. Unify your people so that we can stand strong, preaching, teaching, praying, outreaching. God, being the hands and feet, a unified body cannot be stopped by the forces of darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We just pray all these things knowing, believing,